What is going on, everybody? We are back again for another sports card show podcast. I guess I remember after all these years, still remember the name of the show. We, uh, you know, I'm going to have some interview guests on. I, I think I said that last show or the show before. Um, but there's a lot of topics that uh, I kind of feel like talking about right now because I think in a couple of weeks I'll be even less interested in talking about him again. So, um, you know, due to my laziness of coordination of setting up an interview guest, it's much easier for me to record these on my own. So we'll talk about tribute baseball and the recall. Yes, we have a recall. People acted like, oh, God, a recall. Guys, food gets recalled all the time. There's got to be uh, at least a half dozen to a dozen uh, uh, car recall. Probably way more than that. There's tons of recalls and stuff like cars and stuff that actually matters. And, um, you know, people get bent out of shape about that, you know, especially when it's like baby food or something like that. Uh, so we'll talk about that. eBay fees are going up. And I saw people like, oh, my God, eBay fees. You know, eBay fees not necessarily really going up. They just always change. eBay fees have been relatively, I mean, because of competition out there and probably even more future competition, you know, eBay's got to uh, eBay's got to change the way they they uh, they charge people, um, you know, and it might it might affect some people more than others. So eBay didn't really necessarily raise fees. They just kind of changed the way they were going to charge people. And so for some people, that meant a fee increase or more fees that they would incur. And it's like, what planet are you living on? That uh, I mean, I don't mind people going off. And I'll talk about that in, in tribute. I don't mind people going off and getting upset. But something like eBay fees. Um, you need to, I think I said this many shows ago, many, many over a year ago. And, um, you know, my memory is not that good. I'm sure yours isn't either, but I said when PayPal and eBay made the decision that they were, they were going to separate into two separate companies. That was going to mean a lot of changes. Number one, especially at eBay, PayPal is in a fast growing low i mean they i don't want to say low capital or low um you know they it's not like paypal doesn't like runs itself for free and it just prints money but it is a much more streamlined business i mean you're processing payments i know there's like chargebacks and all the other stuff going on at paypal there's a lot of stuff going on at paypal but to me if you gave me the choice of like do i want to invest in uh, PayPal, PayPal stock or eBay stock. I mean, I take PayPal every single time. eBay's a more mature company and a less fast-growing um, segment of the market, and their dominance will just continue to get weaker, just based on where eBay has been. eBay has been one of the most, if not the most, dominant e-commerce platform on the internet, and that. You're just going to come down from that mountain because Amazon doesn't make any money and they, you know, so it's like subsidized by investors. And Alibaba will come to the U.S. and spend a bunch of their money, IPO money at some point. 
Or they'll just dominate the, the Chinese market, which means eBay can't do as well there. PayPal can't do as well there. Places like Amazon can't set up shop very easily um, in China and, and gain a lot of market share. So that keeps keeps uh, them at bay as well. But eBay's going to go through a lot of changes. They lower, I mean, I remember two years ago, I think they might have been a year and a half, two years ago. They were, they, they sent out an email to all the affiliates and were like, Hey, we're going to change the way we pay you guys. And they didn't, they didn't really say anything after that. And I knew right then I was like, wow, if they've got to send out a notice and this was right around, there was a lot, I don't know if the split off or had been decided yet, or if it it was about to be decided. Um, But my point is eBay is going to stand on its own two feet. It's either going to get bought or it's going to be its own public company. Um, and that's that's just very, it's very difficult for a company like eBay to do that. Remember, they don't care about you. They don't care about really the buyers on the site. Their number one priority is the shareholders of the company. They want to make them happy. So raising fees, changing fees, changing affiliate. Like I said, they sent out a notice like two years ago. And they were like, affiliates, thank you so much for all your hard work. We're going to change the way we pay you guys. But we're not going to tell you for like a couple months. And I knew right then, I was like, wow. They have to warn you. Basically, they're sending out a warning saying, hey, we're going to change the way you pay pay you guys. And uh, we're not going to do it right now because we know how pissed you be. So we're letting you down first and then we'll come with the and i mean it resulted i knew right when i read that email i was like wow they're gonna cut it by like probably 90 percent whatever you were making before you're gonna make 90 percent less probably uh you know that's what i thought and that's about what it was a lot of people in this business in this industry that were caught with their feet sunk in the ground because they invested all this time and resources into one website or one affiliate program and gone. So eBay is not necessarily, you use them as a tool. You can use them as a, a, a tool if you're a seller, and that's what I'll talk about. Michael Carter Williams. I think many of you that also have a good memory um, can remember. I've been saying Michael Carter Williams sucks for a while now. Now, of course, I had him on my fantasy team for a decent portion of the year. Uh, and I just cut him because he's just, he not even, I don't even know if he'll start next year for the Bucks. The Bucks have a lot of good players. And if they, they able to retain who they have and then add a point guard or add, uh, you know, maybe a player like that in the draft, um, he might not even start next year. So just remember there's lots of people out there that a year ago, two years ago, were saying, oh, Michael Carter Williams is so good. Go look at his rookies. They're selling for all this money. And I was telling you to sell his cards. If you pulled a Michael Carter Williams, sell it instantly. They're going to go down. And I think they're probably down at least 50% year over year, maybe more than that. So I know most people listening to this podcast are fans or at least trying to check out the show and trying to be a fan but on twitter and in other places i have plenty of haters but people wonder why people listen to this show year after year time and time again it's because i actually 
do know what I'm talking about sometimes, especially when it comes to NBA basketball players. I think many times, for those of you that have been listening a long time and really remember things that I might say, and I don't expect this to be anybody, but there were plenty of times when I said Russell, Kevin Durant was not even the best player on his team. This was before anybody really even cared or even knew about who Russell Westbrook was. Now, I know Durant's had, Durant's a great player. I'm not saying Durant's a guard, like Durant's not like Michael Carter Williams and just absolutely sucks and won't even be, you know, will be a role player if in the NBA at best in a couple of years, once his rookie deals out and somebody will give him another deal. But at some point he, he's not going to have a long, uh, strenuous career in the NBA. Not like Kevin Durant. But I think people are finally seeing that Russell Westbrook is probably, you know, I've been thinking it for years that Kevin Durant wasn't even the best player on his team. He's athletically gifted. He can shoot the ball pretty darn well. But in terms of a basketball player, I'd much rather have Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook. The industry summit happened. We'll talk briefly about that. And that's about it, probably. Okay, moving on to Tribute Baseball. So, for those of you guys that don't know, this product came out as 200 something dollars a box wholesale. Um, and it came out and a, a large percentage of the autographs appeared to be smudged. Or, not really smudged, but it's almost like the ink kind of vanished. You know what I mean? Like, pieces of the ink vanished. Um, and Tops came out with a press release on Facebook. Uh, it was, you know, quite a press release. But um, they blamed it on UV contamination. So Tops doesn't blame it on um, themselves. They don't blame it on maybe even their vendor. They blame it on the UV supplier, basically. So uh, I could, I don't know. I mean, I can believe that people were saying that there wasn't ink on the back of the cards. It didn't look like they would, they had been smudged. So it's some kind of UV kind of. I mean, if I showed you my grade, like college was was easy. College was easy for me, but the only classes I had difficulty uh, is math and science. I think I had to repeat every math class that I took, and I had to repeat. I mean, I think I passed with a D in the science class science just kind of blows over my head a little bit i can walk into a finance or an econ class or any kind of business class and get an a without even trying but science just not really my thing so i can buy maybe there's those of you that are more science and math uh you know experts can send me an email, sportscardshow at gmail.com or, or get at me on Twitter at sportscardradio and tell me if this UV contamination is the plausible. I think it is. Now, I don't know, you know, people are low. When did this show up? I don't know. UV contamination, I have no idea when it can show up, when it can rear its ugly head. So, um, Tops did a recall. Honestly, Tops did a lot more in this situation than I would have done. And maybe I'm going to sound, I don't know, kind of rude. I, I, I'm sure a lot of you pre-ordered tribute. There's probably people listening right now that pre-ordered tribute boxes or bought it on the day it came out. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how, how many times this has to happen to you guys 
from whether it be Tops or Panini or some other company out there, how often do you have to get ripped off on the on the day of a release for you not to buy it, not to buy the the product? So they did a recall, you're going to get your money back and, you know, whatever. And to me, if I was tops, I would have just left you guys hanging. You guys pre-order this stuff like six months in advance. Longer than that. Like the baseball season it, it, it will, won't even be over and they'll be they'll be getting you pre-orders for Series 1 2016. So you guys are the people that are keep pre-ordering this stuff. Like it goes up in price. None of this stuff goes up in price and it's not hard to get when it comes out. In fact, it almost often, almost always goes down in price. So it's probably better just to wait. So if I was tops, I would have left you guys high and dry. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I would have been like, sorry, you know, hey, if you want to contact us, we'll do the best for you. But whatever. That's what I would have said. But Tops likely has some kind of, ins- they might have insurance on something like this. And they're with the press release, the key statement in all of it. Everybody was talking about, oh, what they're going to give back. Oh, blah, 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 blah. no, Tops blame this on UV contamination. So you better, better believe uh, somebody from the legal team wanted to, wanted to make a set a precedent that it wasn't Topps' fault. It was somebody else's fault. And they're in the background of uh, trying to prove that now. And so, oh, Topps did a great job with this recall. Guys, they probably, they're getting all their money back from the product. They have some kind of insurance policy or they'll pin it on the vendor and the vendor will give them credit or they'll pin it on the vendor and then the vendor has insurance for this kind of stuff. It all just gets sent back to some kind of insurance claim or some kind of legal court case. That'll iron itself out at some point. And Tops might end up ahead. Might end up working out great for them. The other thing is, people were like, oh my God, why are people so upset with Tops? They recall. Guys, let people blow off steam. Let guys blow off steam. If they if it feels better, if they go off on Twitter and they feel better about it, if they have to go to Facebook and feel better about it, if they got to call tops on the phone to blow off some steam, let them, let them go ahead. The, the argument that, hey, tops took this back and, and it's a recall and it's great for collectors, great for the, the hobby, that might be a good argument. I don't know. Like I said, I wouldn't have done crap. You guys have all pre-ordered all the breakers and all you idiot uh, rip and flippers. If that's even something that that is profitable, which it's not. Um, you know, you guys have pre-ordered everything already. You guys weren't going to cancel that stuff. You guys weren't going to cancel your one case of a Bowman that's coming out or your one case, a five star that you've already pre-ordered. You guys aren't going to cancel your orders for that. Moving on. People are blowing off steam about eBay and Hey, I can understand it. Um, you know, I remember back, back when I was selling on eBay, eBay, like if you go to like my eBay, this might be something that's, that has been around for a while, but I was buying some stuff on eBay, uh, a week or two ago. And 
I was like on my eBay and I saw down at the bottom, they put your lifetime sales on there. And my first sale, I think, was in 2002. And I had 90,000 in sales uh, in, a, I would say, probably a six-year, seven-year period for the most part. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, but, you know, I think I see a lot of people using eBay the wrong way. And when when eBay would raise fees or change the way they they charge people is probably a better way to put it. Um, back when I was selling uh, exclusively on eBay or a lot on eBay, um, I looked at that as an opportunity. I said, "Hey, eBay's raising fees. Now I can compete on price." No one. It's a fool. Only a fool would want to compete with eBay on its sheer size, on its selection. On its, um, you know, kind of ambiguity with with users and kind of the place to go. Why? Why on earth would you want to try to compete with eBay on all that? They've had a 15 year head start. Longer than that, they've probably been around almost 20 years. Why would you want to try to compete on that when you can compete on price? If eBay raises its fees. That means you can likely sell the same item for cheaper and make a bigger margin selling it through your own channel, whether it's on a website or a forum on Craigslist or through email or with through Bitcoin or through checks in the mail or money order like it used to be done or cash. Someone sends you a dollar or with plain white envelopes. So don't be one of those fool. I had everybody, oh, you know, eBay, we, you know, there needs to be another site that emerges that competes with eBay. No, are you kidding me? Why, why would you try to do that? Unless you're going to add a tremendous amount of value, like something like check out my cards does. Why, why try to compete with eBay? Just use it as a tool. And so when I saw people saying, oh, God, you know, it's like I said, with tribute, it's okay to go off. It's okay to say, hey, eBay sucks. eBay charges too much. eBay's always, you know, putting it in our, you know what. But hey, guys, there's there's different ways to make money off eBay with them raising fees. That's sure good for shareholders, right? Because now eBay's going to make more money. It's also good for affiliates. So if you refer traffic to eBay, now fees are going up. eBay compensates you a percentage of the fees that it generates. So now someone like me, all of a sudden, my traffic is worth more and I didn't have to do anything. And so instead of just playing the one, you guys are going down like a one-way street with eBay where it's buy something, list it, and sell it on eBay. And that's all you do. You've let eBay acquire that customer and get information about that customer, but you have no remarketing system toward them. And probably the finest example that you all are aware of, some of you that have been around in this hobby for a long time might even have a keen memory to this, but someone like Blowout Cards and even like DA Cardwell to a lesser extent, they 
nobody knew who they were. Back in 2002, Blowout Cards was like a one-page website. Most websites back in those days were. But what Blowout would do, would he would use eBay essentially as advertising. He'd list his boxes on eBay. They would sell. Certainly had a lot more of his sales. Probably a, a huge percentage of his sales back in the day came through eBay. But back in those days, the the... You know, eBay's tightened probably the reins on this kind of stuff, but Blowout in his description back in 2002 would, would say stuff like, hey, this I've got this box for 99 here on eBay, or probably a better example is, hey, I've got this case for $1,200 on eBay, but hey, if you call me, here's my phone number, I'll sell it to you for less if we do it off eBay. That's basically what Blowout Cards would, would say to a certain extent in his item descriptions on eBay. 10 years ago, 12 years ago. He would say, hey, I'll sell it to you right now on eBay for 1200 but call me on the phone or go to my website and there'll be a lower price. And so what do you think people did over time? They started just going right to his, he, in the back of the day, it was just an email list. It was sign up for my email list and I'll blast you or come to my website and there was just kind of a list of prices. It's kind of what his website was. It's just a list of prices and he called him on the phone or he sent him an email and that was it. But blowout cards used eBay to acquire customers and now he's remarketing them in all kinds of different ways. And that's what you, if, if you're out there and you see, oh, I want to be a, a rip and flipper or I want to, I want to get into this game. You got to acquire the customer. We're, we all probably get emails from blowout cards. I'm on their email list from back in the day. You got a lot of you probably get his email. If you're trying to sell cards, why not build an email list? Yeah, it's gonna you're gonna start with three, five, eight people, ten people for a year. You might not get over twenty five people, but you gotta keep at it. And the best way to do that is go to eBay. For every customer that buys to you, buys you, send them an email. Try to get them to sign up. Include something in the package. I just bought some coins on eBay. The guy included like two nice uh, business cards. I'm sure he just got them on Vistaprint. Then cost them like a penny or two each. And I said, oh, cool. He has a website. I'll go to his website. I'll check it out. Oh, there's where there were all the coins that I just bought. I wanted more. I just went and bought them off his website. And why is this all important? Because eBay is going to keep raising fees on you. Or keep changing the way they try to charge you. So you you want to reduce your reliance on eBay. That would be my key. If you're into this, if you're in the game right now and you're selling cards or you want to get into it, I don't care how semi-serious or serious you want to do it. The less dependence you have on eBay, the better. And you don't need a, a flashing website with all these bells and whistles. You, something simple is fine. Doesn't need to be perfect. You don't need to try to compete with eBay or try to get, you know, jump leaps and bounds and make 90% of your sales through a website in, in two, three months. It's not going to happen that quickly. 
even really well-funded and well-backed websites don't even like Alibaba has more money than Amazon and eBay combined and and they don't try to come to the US willy-nilly and compete with eBay. So neither should you. But use eBay as your marketing tool. Like I said I just gave you an example. I bought some coins last week on eBay. Really low price. Cheaper half the coin itself graded it costs 10 bucks even on a discount costs seven eight dollars to grade a coin and i got them for less than that and i go to the guy's website i'm like cool this is good price free shipping i go to his website exact same coins very similar prices and he probably made a much better margin because he didn't have to pay his ebay fees he just pays his payment processing fee and you guys might want, oh, you know, 5 10%, a nickel here, a dime here, doesn't really matter. The sports card game is all about volume. There's not enough margin into this game to where you can sell three pro- I know guys that sell four products a year, but they're like $70,000 each. And so he all they need to do is acquire four customers all year to buy one product that costs 70000 and they make money. They make 50, 40, 40, 50% margin on that. There's nothing like that in the sports card world unless you're stealing it. So it's all about volume. And when you're doing hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of transactions, a nickel here, 2 or 3% or even a half a percent here and there is a lot of money. And in a lot of cases, it could be the difference between making money and losing money. So, like I said, it's okay to go off on eBay. Eh, eBay sucks. eBay's always trying to stick it to us. eBay's always trying to make it harder. Well, at the same time, you guys have should have graduated kindergarten, e-commerce kindergarten, and gone on to first, second, third grade, and on to college at some point. Just buying something and selling it on eBay is kindergarten, e-commerce kindergarten, guys. If you see somebody just buying something and then reselling it on eBay, that's not a business. That's not a business model. That's not a smart individual. If that's all you're doing, buying something and then selling it on eBay. It's okay to start there. I'm saying if that's what you if you're doing that right now and you do, you know, 10 items, 100 items, couple hundred items a month and that's where you're at, I'm not saying quit and give up shop and move on. I'm saying you've got to graduate. Now you've got to say, hey, I do 90% or 100% of my business on eBay. How can I funnel these guys into a website or just a one-on-one? Back in the day when I used to sell boxes, I would put the pre-sale up on eBay. That was when there was a little more lax rules on that as well. But you'd put it up on eBay and you'd basically tell them in the description, hey, call me. If you need more than one box, call me. And guys would email me or call me and I'd, you know, oh, you want six boxes of 2006 Prestige? Cool, I'll send it to you. Oh, you want Upper Deck this? Cool, I'll send it to you. People wonder why all oh, these group breakers have, have come on. Well, at least uh, this, uh, uh, they've, they've uh, a lot of them have figured out how to cut their costs a little bit. Yeah, you still need websites. Yeah, you need webcams and, and, and pay for stuff. But you're not paying eBay fees, which are a lot. 10% here and there is a lot. A lot of money.
So the point of all that is, is stop your reliance on eBay. Still use it. I don't mean to cut, stop listing items on eBay and just list them on a website that nobody even knows about. No. List item on eBay and do, you know, stay within the regulations and the laws, however eBay has it. I'm not an expert on those now because I'm not selling on eBay, um, nor would I, um, outside of the occasional, you know, I have a phone sitting here I probably should list on eBay. It's probably worth a couple hundred bucks. But use it as a tool to drive people either to an email list, preferably all this, an email list, a social, social accounts, Facebook, Twitter, uh, drive them to, um, a website that you have. And it doesn't have, like I said, it doesn't have to be a website with shopping cart and a security and a way to order just a list of your products is good enough. You can develop the relationship via email. And then shoot text message, DMs. There's all different ways to develop trust and a relationship with somebody. And all it takes is a couple interactions. And then all of a sudden, somebody in this business says, hey, I like this guy. I trust him. Next time I need, you know, I might not trust him for a $500 order, but a lot of people's orders are $5, $10 here and there. The industry summit happened and they're going back to Hawaii uh, next year, and probably um, I would guess uh, the couple years out of that, um, the the industry summit. For those of you that don't know, actually started in Hawaii, so it's actually returning there. And there was always, when I was at the industry summit, there was always kind of this group that wanted it back in Hawaii, and there was a lot of, uh, there was probably a larger group that appreciated it being in Vegas because Vegas, while it can be expensive, especially certain nights or certain, depending on what's going on. Um, if there's a big, big conference in town, I mean, get it, getting a cheap hotel room around the strip is not easy at all. Um, but there was always this group that liked it in Vegas because it was always, you know, it wasn't at the Aria or at the, you know, right, you know, at the Wynn or something or at Caesars even. That's a little bit more expensive uh, conference typically to attend. Uh, it, was, it was at the Orleans or it was at the some sweet Tuscany suites. I don't even know where it is, uh, in Vegas. And, um, you know, people appreciated that because it was, it was, it was much easier to recoup your money. I'm sure the manufacturers appreciate it because now imagine the manufacturers, you guys are going to get even less. If you're attending the industry summit and you did it for the giveaways or the, the kind of swag that you got that you could either resell on eBay or give to customers. I think you're going to get even less now. Because it's expensive to ship to Hawaii, especially, I mean, one or two packages, one thing. Try shipping a case of, uh, you know, 10 cases of black boxes over there. I I don't think that's going to be cheap. So, um, but it kind of... uh, puts the industry summit in the direction I I figured that they want to go. They don't want it to be a big event. I think I used the analogy... Uh, the industry summit is kind of like that geek at school that looks around, you know, sees the hot cheerleader and would would says to himself, oh, I'd love to date that girl. I'd love to hold hands and walk down the courtyard with her. But when that girl say a miracle happens, lightning strikes and that girl comes over and wants to date this guy and wants to kiss him and wants to hold his hand and go out on a date and the geek kind of fumbles around and mumbles around and kind of runs off scared. That's kind of what the industry summit is. It got its chance to go to the big time. 
My brother and I promoted it for free, built up the uh, traffic to record highs, record number of people were attending the industry summit. Got its chance at the big time and then failed, failed. In part because I don't think they want to go there as an event. One, I don't think they have the infrastructure in place to handle that many people and to kind of handle all the things that go on when you're trying to put on a a little bit larger event. So they want it to be back to the boys club. So going to Hawaii is perfect because, shoot, I could go if I wanted to. I'm out here in California. In fact, there's direct flights out of a, a small city. Not a small. I mean, it's, you know, half million people, but that's kind of small out here in California. Um. I can fly there for, I think they have $99 flights. They fly like once a week, twice a week to Hawaii. And I I mean, I don't know. I've never been to Hawaii. I'm certainly, it's on one of the things that I want to go to. But if I went to Hawaii, you know, I'd be expecting to pay between $800 and $1,000 a night for my room. That's what I would be. So if I stayed there a week, I'd be looking at at least spending five to seven thousand dollars on a hotel room and travel and rental car or whatever else I needed. Be looking to spend a lot of money. So I just don't think I don't think shops owner there's a very small percentage of shop owners that can afford that. That it can afford a eight to ten thousand dollar vacation, eight to ten thousand dollar write off. That's oftentimes why I, uh, when when I'm traveling, I keep very very uh, tight record and receipts of everything I do on a vacation. In fact, sometimes I pre- I actually prepaid a vacation last year uh, for tax purposes. Um, I don't think there's a, there's a small, only a small group in this industry that, uh, is capable of taking a, a 10, 15, $20,000 vacation. And those are going to be the people that are at, at the industry summit. Not a lot went on before that, but I kind of like the direction the industry summit was going in because the average shop owner, the shop owner that was struggling was attending. And I think that's really what. Uh, true industry summit you need both sides there you need the guys that are doing really well that can fly to hawaii first class and get the beach uh you know beachfront condo and not have to worry about money while they're there but you also need the guy that you know lost six thousand at a store last week doesn't have three hundred dollars in his bank account but figured out a way to scrape it to nevada um to go to the industry summit i think that would be that's a much healthier mix, especially in an industry where there's so few doing well. So, you know, um, I definitely, you know, <laughs> now I know for sure I'll never attend the industry summit again, especially when it's Hawaii, because if you go to Hawaii and hang out with the kind of guys that are going to be there, you know, hopefully you're staying a week before or a week after. That's that's how I would plan it. If you're going to Hawaii for the industry summit, Plan three or four days ahead or three or four days afterwards, um, and I think you might have much better twi- much better time. Lastly, I got 30 minutes here. We'll, we'll do one last quick segment. 
Um, I think I had people were pushing me back on Twitter last week or the week before. Everybody was like, ah, ah, just pushing back at me. And that's good. That's why I often get on Twitter and I'll, I'll, I'll give the counter argument to get people to, uh, you know, it's a community. Like I, I'm amazed a lot of, there's probably many of you that probably pick up on that. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll pick up that I'm just using a communication technique on there. Not on there really passionately, you know, I'm not bent out of shape and all all upset with my argument. I'm really presenting an argument that's counter to somebody else just to get the conversation flowing. So it's not, hey, I got four spots left in tribute uh, football, guys. I need you to buy in or, hey, retweet me and I'll send you this mystery pack or whatever it is that goes on on Twitter. Or hey, we were announcing our 19th product uh, of the year and it's and we're in the third month. That's what often goes on there. So I try to mix it up a little bit. But one of the one of the things that's always been confusing to me, uh, and I think it's still confusing to people out there, that the companies have this product configuration all wrong. They're coming out with $150, $200, $300 boxes when those same boxes could cost $30. the exact same product exact same cards inside instead of costing $200 a box should actually cost $30 to $50 and hear me out so a box comes out tribute baseball or you know we'll, we'll just we won't even give the product a name a product comes out it has two it's $200 a box and you get five hits let's do the math guys that's $40 a hit Why couldn't Panini and Tops put out that same product but do it for $50? Do it for $50 a box. Now you're actually getting, instead of getting $40 a hit, you're getting $50 a hit. And maybe you have to throw in some base cards. Maybe you have to throw in some parallels like they often do. But to me, it just seems like that $200 product, think about it, guys. For a $200 product to go up 10% in value, does that happen very often? It doesn't. A $200 product rarely goes up to $220 or to $240. But a $50 product to go up 10% value is only $5. Isn't it conceivable to think a $50 product could go up to $55? Or... How about in the reverse? Wouldn't it be much better as you as a dealer if you had bought product for $50 each and it went down 10%? But it's still $45. Whereas the $200 product would have gone down $20 and now you can barely sell it for $180. I think you guys get the idea. Not to mention we open up a whole category. There's a whole category of collectors out there and category of people and potential collectors that would never pay $200 for a box. You could guarantee Jesus Christ rising from the ashes when you open the box and there would be people not willing to pay $200 for it. 
But a $50 box, maybe so. A $40 box or a $30 box, maybe so. And you can put the exact same cards in there. The exact same number of hits. Somebody was saying, oh, you can't you can't feed collectors uh, steak and bring it back to uh, spam and ham and cheese. That's not what I'm saying. Put the exact same cards in there. Just configure it a different way and do that more often. Does every set need to be like that? No. But right now, every single set is $150, $120 and up. and there's less and less people willing to collect that and buy that and I've been preaching this for a long time that yes inside our little circle of Twitter and forums and and collectors and guys that we see at the card shop inside that very small circle yeah there's guys willing to pay two hundred dollars and three hundred dollars a box and it's no big deal and it's like okay yeah that's the price but there's a heck of a lot of people out there that have no would never fathom spending that much those are the kind of collectors we need to start targeting if we want to start growing this hobby to encourage you out there to number one, stop pre-ordering this stuff. I'm going to go buy a video game. MLB the show today. I think it came out. I'm going to go buy that video game. I could have pre-ordered it. But it's not going to sell out. It's just like baseball cards. It's not going to sell out. It's not going to go up in price. So I'm going to go to the store and buy it. And if it sucks or it's defective, I can go right back to the store and, you know, maybe they don't give me my $60 back, but maybe they'll give me a credit for another game or something like that. Whereas if you buy a box of baseball cards and you open up and it sucks, all you can do is blast off on Twitter or hope for a recall. So that's why you don't need to pre-order this stuff. Number one, stop pre-ordering this stuff. Don't pay full price. And full price is wholesale. That's the full retail price. Wait until that goes down. Wait until people get stuck with this stuff. And don't want to write it down on inventory and they need to blow it out. There's um, three products coming out every other day in this hobby. You don't need to buy it right when it comes out. Stop listening to the people that that are telling you to do that. Stop thinking you need to do that. You don't. If you're a millionaire, don't listen to anything I say. Spend your money however you want. You have plenty of it. But most of you out there are not in that position. Most of you out there are probably, I just saw on the TV the other day, average 401k has $12,000 in it. That's the average for all of America, $12,000. You can't even go. I was in the hospital uh, last year for like two hours and it was like twelve grand. Can't imagine if you had bypass surgery or a, some kind of major surgery. You had to stay a week there, two weeks there. Most of you are probably in that position. 
Most of you might not even have 12 grand in your 401k. Do not be buying any of this stuff if that is the case. You need to stop buying stuff. You need to pay off your credit cards. You need to start saving money and stop buying stuff that goes down in price or has UV contamination or that just comes out day after day, year after year. And if you're not selling when it's hot, like Michael Carter Williams, if you're listening to everybody, oh, Michael Carter Williams is the hottest rookie right now. Look at his rookie, guys. Here's all these eBay links to his rookies when you, you should be selling them. So take this as your fair warning. A lot of you guys, I, the, the reason why I get into saving your money and and because a lot of you guys out there probably aren't exposed to it. You're not turning on CNBC. You're not going to a seeking alpha. You're not, you don't give a shit about what Apple just reported or, or IBM or Microsoft or eBay, or what they're doing for their shareholders. You don't care about it because you tune it all out. And that's why you probably have less than $10,000 in your 401k. I mean, $12,000, $120,000 is not really that much in a 401k. $1.2 million in a 401k is not really that much. So stop buying this stuff. Stop burning all your fees through eBay. Stop buying every card like you need it and like your life depends on it. This stuff is going to be around. It's going to be here. You could leave this hobby for three years in, in, in a coma and then wake up and it's all going to be for sale for a lower price. I mean, Bryce Harper was bigger than Chris Bryant. And, you know, it's not like his cards are cheap, but you can still buy them. Even Mike Trout, his cards didn't just go up and up and up and up and up and up and up. The stuff levels out at some point. That's when you probably want to get in on the guys you think have a long-term 20-year career, Derek Jeter-type career. But trust me, those guys are few and far between. Out of all the guys from the 90s, out of all the guys you could have collected, Ken Griffey, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, uh, Derek Jeter, Cal Ripken Jr., that just on and on and on. The one guy you probably, I mean, maybe Cal Ripken, you can leave him in, in there, but the one guy was probably Derek Jeter. The rest of them either did steroids or got hurt or did both. So there's usually one guy, you know, once every few decades that is worth collecting. So start start let's 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 start getting smart about this, guys. Stop pre-ordering this stuff. Tribute UV contamination should be the the latest shining example of this. Stop supporting these idiots that, that sell exclusively on eBay. Which is driving the price up for you because they're too stupid to take the order offline at some point. Stop rewarding stupid people like that that are driving up prices. Because they let eBay rake it all. And wait a year. Wait two years. Wait three years to jump on board. 
Everybody was uh, jumping on board. Michael Carter, Michael Carter Williams, Michael Carter Williams. The guy can't even shoot. There's people listening to this show that can shoot better than him. The guy couldn't hit the side of a barn when I was the last couple games I watched him play. He won't even be starting in a year or two on any NBA team. So start being smart about it. Then we can. The reason why I say this is because that's how you become a sustainable collector. If you blow all your money or blow through it too fast, you get burnt out, you get butt hurt, and you you get jaded, and you don't want to collect anymore. The reason why I'm still doing this podcast year after year after year, and I'm still buying cards year after year after year after year. It's because I don't buy the stuff that's overpriced. I don't blow all my money on cards. I don't need every set that comes out. I don't need every uh, Buster Posey card that comes out. I buy one and I'm happy. I have one Buster Posey autograph card. That's good enough for me. If you need four or five of them, go ahead. But make sure your 401k and your saving accounts are growing at the same clip. The way I do big purchases is if I want a big purchase, if I want a brand new custom guitar or I want to spend some some big money on something, I say, okay, I'm going to spend $1,000 on that. Well, like today, I'm going to spend $60 on a video game, but at the same time, I force myself to put 60 into my 401k or I say, hey, I'm going to put $60 into this mutual fund or I'm going to buy $60 worth of lending club notes. Or I'm going to go play golf today and it's a really expensive course. At the same time, I'm going to go buy some oil because it's depressed. Or I'm going to go buy some AT&T stock because they pay me a 5% dividend. Or I'm going to buy some uh, Apple because I think they're, you know, they'll come out with a bigger iPad at some point and that'll, that'll spur their next generation of, of big growth over and above the phones. But most of what I see is, oh, I'm going to buy this box and so I can sell it on eBay and go buy the next box. You're going to you're going to get you, that's a bad, bad, bad road to be on. So on that note, I'm trying not to leave it on a, a sour note. I, like I said, I'm saying all this to for the benefit of you. I want you guys to be in this hobby for a long time. I want you to stick stick around in this hobby. And so that's why I tell you, hey, Michael Carter, uh, two years ago, I was telling you, Michael Carter Williams sucks. Should sell all his cards. The minute you got him in his rookie year, should have sold him. Hey, Russell Westbrook, he's probably better than Kevin Durant. I've been saying that for years. Derek Rose, he sucks. I've been saying that for years. It's time for you guys to get smart about this. Start collecting the guys that really do have a chance to be a Derek Jeter type player. So you have a nice collection when it comes down to it. A lot of you guys are going to have boxes and boxes of stuff that isn't going to be worth anything. Or it's going to be worth a dollar a card and however many are in there. No one's even going to look through all the players. Oh, it's a dollar a card, 50 cents a card to a dealer, 25 cents a card to a dealer. And that's how your collection will go. 
So be smart about it. Number one thing, stop pre-ordering any company's products. You don't need to pre-order it. What did you pre-order? Does anybody pre-order anything anymore? Like what is hot enough to pre-order? Maybe like an Apple product, Apple iPhone, Apple Watch. If they came out with a bigger iPad, I would probably pre-order one just so I made sure I got one the day it came out. But that's about it. Maybe if it was really limited, like if I had the money to buy, like they come out with these guitars that are like $20,000, $50,000 and they only make like 10 of them. I could see pre-ordering something like that if you had that kind of money because they're probably going to sell out. And there's not going to be another one like it. Well, there's not going to be many like it. I mean, a ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollar guitar is is uh, is pretty unique. But the the next baseball set that came out for a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, is the same as it was last year in the the set that came out before it. You can always find it for the same price or cheaper, almost ninety nine percent of the time. So start being smart about it. I want you guys around in this hobby. That's the point of this whole exercise. On another show, another time, we'll be back to blow off a little steam. And hey, it's okay to blow off a little steam. If you guys want to complain about the eBay fees, that's cool. If you guys want to complain about tribute and UV contamination, that's cool. I, I, I encourage you guys to do that. Everybody in every industry does that. And, and the silencers, the people that try to silence you, and say, hey, why are you doing this? Uh, without any kind of argument, why you should. Are doing a disservice to you and the hobby. So go ahead and go off. But take a step back when it's done. Deep breath. And say, hey, I'm not with tribute. I'm not going to pre-order this stuff anymore. I'm going to wait till it comes out. And then I'm going to then I'm gonna make my decision to buy. And with eBay, take a deep breath and say, I'm going to use eBay as like basically like a free AdWords. You can use eBay as free advertising. List an item and tell people to go buy it somewhere else cheaper. That's what I would use eBay for. On Google, you have to pay for the click. On eBay, I mean, yeah, you get listing fees. It sounded like at some point, but hey, 10 cents to list an item that, you know, a couple hundred people, maybe a thousand people will look at. And maybe 1% or half of 1% of that goes to my website and orders. That'd be great. That's what I would use eBay for. So it's good that they raise prices. Now you can compete on like the number one thing that that like makes the world go round. Not just sports cards, but the entire world revolves around price. The price of something. And so when you can be lower than eBay... I can sell the exact same card for lower because I'm incurring much less fees. Hey, that's great for everybody involved. That should be great for you as a a seller and that should be great for the buyer. Win-win. So jump up and down. eBay fees are going up. That's good if you have some ingenuity and you can drive the traffic some other way. And uh, careful of that UV contamination and have fun. Everybody that's going to go to the industry summit next year, have fun in Hawaii. And on that note, we are out of here.